Hello and welcome to the MacFab Engineering Podcast. We're your hosts, Crab Foam and Blitz. Yeah, I will, that'll be the end of that. <laughs> <laughs> so this is episode 110. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. No, 111, isn't it? No, this is 110. Yeah, that's 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 what we're recording next week. That's right. Yes. So, Stephen, that's me. Yeah. What project have you been working on? You've had me 3D print some Brando parts. I think we actually talked about it a few podcasts ago, but um, I designed a ribbon microphone uh, and had Parker uh, print up some of the parts for it, and I built the microphone, and we are listening to it along with our regular microphones right now. Yeah, so you have a... It looks like a... It's a 3D printed magnet thing with a transformer kind of glued to it and then... Yeah, so this this wired entire, into the thing. This it's a little ghetto. Microphone is not actually like in a case yet, um, but so so a, a ribbon microphone uh, is it's basically two magnets and a strip of aluminum that's placed uh, in close proximity to the magnets and it's tensioned in between both the magnets, such that when air hits it, uh, it, it vibrates and it generates a voltage on the strip of aluminum. Uh, and the strip of aluminum that I'm using right now is 1.8 microns thick. So it's like gold, you know. So it's not. It's not as. It's not as thin as your, you know, stuff you get at the store. <laughs> yeah. Right. 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 It's thinner. What, yeah. It, one point one point eight micron is very very much thinner than aluminum foil from the store. I don't even think you could do aluminum foil from the store because it, it, the impedance of that is it's funky. Okay. Uh, so. A strip this it's like or it doesn't vibrate enough or something it has too much mass okay yeah. um, and it fights the uh, magnetic field between these two magnets so so the strip that I made is one and three quarter inch long by about uh, 0.2 inches wide okay and uh, I got a little crimper you you, you texturize it uh, yeah because I was looking at it it's got a uh pattern to it yeah I, I got i got this little crimper thing from a place up in north texas um and it's like an arts and craft like paper crimper and you just pass the the strip of aluminum through that and it gives it kind of a zigzag pattern and uh you you place that into the little frame that i had uh, parker 3d print for me uh attach it to a transformer and stick it so, in your audio interface. so where are you getting the um signals off from is it from the other ends of the um so it's from the top and bottom of the aluminum foil yeah so on the frame that i had you print mm -hmm. i put um copper tape down uh and okay. I, I just made a basic bolting system where you put the strip of aluminum on top of the copper tape and then i have like a clamp system that screws in i grab one side tension the other side grab that mm -hmm. and then you just solder to both ends of the copper tape so the signal is being generated across one and three quarters inch of aluminum and that's just the right impedance to fit on the front end of a transformer yeah. audio transformer which has a impedance impedance of or like a ratio of 36 to 1 or something okay. like that because the actual voltage that's being generated on the aluminum it's very is like, small it's nothing it's absolutely nothing so you have to boost it up and so i'm guessing what it's doing is it's using it because you have these two really strong magnets yeah but aluminum is not ferro like what was it Ferromagnetic? Uh, is that the right word? Uh, I'm not ferrous. I can't remember. Yeah, ferrous. It's, it's whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so it's probably it's got uh, lumen has this weird property when you like move it near magnets where you can induce an eddy current into it, and so that's probably what's going on. Well, no, yeah. I mean, you could you could do it with uh, any conductor. I mean, that's that's the principle of of generating yeah. a voltage passing a conductor through a magnetic field. 
Uh, I mean, this is very similar to the, the way that uh, dynamic microphones work, uh, which is basically a speaker used in reverse. Yep. You're just talking into a speaker and it moves a magnet through a coil. But yeah. instead of a coil, you have two parallel magnets with this mm -hmm. ribbon in between it. And it's it's super sensitive because I mean the the ribbon is actually only 1.8 microns and you know if you if you blow on it you can actually break it um, and rip it so it's just it's really sensitive but it, it has a unique sound because of that you know it takes a lot more uh, energy to move a dynamic um, sensing element but yeah. this thing like takes nothing whatsoever huh. but the problem is it produces very low voltages mm -hmm. so you have to juice the gain to get anything out of it, even with the transformer stepping it up 36. You so know, you'll get some, some noise there. You do get some noise, yeah. But, you know, it, there we go. Cool. It looks yeah. cool. Yeah. And yeah. So what's the plans going you know, forward with that? Well, we talked about, um, you know, did we talk about on the podcast? I can't remember. We talked about, yeah, we did. Uh, we talked about that chip that's like the all-in-one yeah. USB package. Yep. I was wanting to take this element and, or this design here and plug it into one of those and make a USB ribbon mic that's all controlled all in one package. So I've proven now the analog side works. Yep. So now I've got to get that chip up. And so you would basically plug the end, instead of plugging that into our preamp here, you'd plug that into the USB microphone chip. That's right, yeah. Cool. So so it's, it's just kind of a fun thought to maybe make a USB mic for whatever, you know? Yeah. Can't go wrong cool. with that. And, you know, for, like, I've never done this before. I, I've made microphones, but never a ribbon mic. I just kind of like looked at pictures online of ribbon mics, and I went to Google SketchUp and made something kind of like it, and it straight up works. Yeah. So the the amplitude that we have on um, that we're recording is pretty low because I'm not actually talking directly into my mic uh, or in the ribbon mic because I don't have any protection over it, so that you know my breath could break it. And if you talk directly into it, there's a lot of pops. Uh, yeah. So well, you all, we don't have a foam filter or anything over it. Right, right. So I want to I want to get a foam filter and, and kind of figure that aspect out. But I've got it, so it's sensing. So that's cool. Yeah. It looks... And it, we actually were listening to it earlier. It sounds pretty pretty good, it's, actually. Yeah, it's not bad. It, yeah. it really isn't. And because it's super magnetic, I, I didn't have to, you know, build a mount for it. I just stuck it right to the mount that my yeah. other mic is on. Yeah, right you kind of just stuck it with a magnet. Yeah. yeah, so we've got a dangling <laughs> transformer here. I, th I think we... Iris got a picture of it, and we'll, we'll post yeah. it up there. Oh, what I'll do is I'll take the um, if you can give me the uh, sketcher files, I'll make like an exploded diagram of it. Oh, cool! So people can hell. I think we should just put those files. If you're fine with putting those files up, people can build them. Sure. If someone wants to build this, um, I, d d there is one thing. So with a ribbon mic, you want the ribbon to be under a slight amount of tension. Yeah. And that's why those those ripples that you put into it help because you can pull and it'll put it under tension it'll put it under tension right um the the thing about it is it's very 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 difficult to do uh i you know i probably went through seven or eight different ribbons just trying to make this one i had an idea to put like a little um thumb screw down on the bottom mm -hmm. such that you can put put it in not under tension and then turn that thumb screw and it would it would expand oh it expand piece, it yeah and it would tension it without you having to do it by hand yep uh, such that you don't rip it so Maybe maybe I'll design something like that up. Who knows? Yeah, so we we'll, we can show this design, and then I think if you try that, do the pro model. Yeah, we can do like a hackaday.io project. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you want to make your own ribbon, Mike. Yeah, um, we'll head that up. That'd, that'd be really cool. Actually, we can do the whole thing, the USB part, and yeah, well, and and that USB thing, um, it does have a uh, headphone output. It, yep. it it can drive headphones directly. So well, you have to build your own head. 
phones too. You, you know, um, Trey German, he's been on the podcast. Yeah. Two or three times, yeah, at yeah. least twice. Uh, he, he's made his own um, headphones uh, through here here at Macrofab, and it, it, they they were pretty cool because he just used like FR4 as like earpieces. Yeah, and, and it, it actually worked out pretty good. Yeah, they were pretty nice. Yeah. Um, no, like I wonder how you would make your own. If you can make small drivers, that would that would work for that. Oh, like make your own cones and stuff. Well, you don't, they don't have to be cones. You can make them. Uh, what's that other kind of speaker? Um, they usually use them for tweeters. Uh, oh, like the, like the like the silk dome things. No, they're not cones. They're not like a normal cone, but it's it's, it's a coil that moves a like a piezo buzzer or something. Yeah, kind of, but it's the bigger. Okay. It's, it's kind of I can't remember what they're called. There's a specific name for them. You know, actually, with 3D printing, you could you could probably make a uh, a negative of a speaker shape. Mm-hmm. Um, and and a lot you can make speakers in the same way that you make paper mache. Yeah. If you like cut up a bunch of paper and then you you make a press, you can press a speaker dome. So. I mean, that's how it used to be done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And and so like it, that actually wouldn't even be that hard. In fact, if you look at old speakers they just look like a whole bunch of glue and paper yeah uh, they're not super nice so we should try that, I don't know, that well is, maybe not that like exactly that way but yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe not going back to arts and crafts making our own yeah we can start let's sort of hackaday.io i'll look into that tomorrow okay yeah, we'll make a hackaday.io cool. for this uh, cool sounds awesome sounds like a bunch of fun yeah um so next week i will actually be out of town Yep. Uh, in in Denver, um, my wife and I are taking a trip for spring break to have some fun out in Denver. And I thought this could be a really fun time if anyone wants to meet up and hang out and go get a beer and just chill. I would love to meet. I with think they anyone. do other things and just get beer and well, Denver. <laughs> <laughs> that that is not going to be part of our trip. But but beer <laughs> but beer will be for sure. Um, so if any of our listeners out in Denver want to uh, meet up and just hang out, um, I would love to come and meet you and just you know have a good time. Um, so I actually created an email address called craighang at gmail That's K R A I G H A N G at gmail.com send me an email um and we can work out a time i'll be there the uh pretty much the 10th through the 16th so sometime during the week sometime maybe this coming weekend Um, three o'clock in the morning three o'clock in the morning do not (laughs) hit me up at three in the morning but yeah let's go get a beer let's let's hang out once again that's craighang at gmail.com hit me up yeah it'll also be in the notes if you want to check it out cool awesome so I had my new DAC article come out, part two, where we did the, we talked about this last week about the tests and stuff, so if you want to see all those fancy graphs that I made and stuff, go, you know, that tickles your fancy, go take a look at them, it's on the <laughs> blog, um, but we pretty much talked about that last week. Yeah, and, and you, you found out that the or two cheap version ago. was plenty acceptable. Well, the cheap version people preferred. And there you go. So... Even you picked the cheap version. <laughs> so, yeah. So for some reason, ceramic mic, or ceramic caps in the audio uh, stream just sounded better. At least to people. So, but the thing is, there was a difference between film caps and ceramic caps. There was an audible difference and there was a measurable difference. Yes. And there was actually a difference in the audio when it was just changing out like bypass caps like in the digital side mm. there was still a difference you can measure it was slight but you could 
measure a difference. Got to watch out for it. Yeah. It's just interesting things where, like, you think it's just BS or, like, oh, the, the best thing. Like, you will always hear a difference. It's like, nah. If you're trying really hard, yeah. you might. Maybe. And then it comes down to just being subjective. Yeah, it's all subjective. Yeah. Um, so, Pinhack Rev 8 update. Yeah. So, so we got the prototypes all built, tested. They did not blow smoke everywhere. They all work. Hey, congratulations. Um, thank you. Um, I got the use those DACs I tested. I got those hooked up to the Pinhack Rev 8 now. And so it is outputting LVDS over uh, through the Raspberry Pi into our screen. That works great. I2C works great. The communication to the PIC32 works. And the I2S to the PCM5122 works great. Did, did you just have a wire jumper over? To those? I, I built a little cable. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah, I built a little custom cable because the connector changed in revision. Ah. Uh, yeah. Basically, I changed the, the connector to have more ground isolation between each pin. Yeah. Instead of having like a, like a uh, you know, power ground and then the data, I did power ground and then alternating grounds in between the data just to keep, you know, EMF down because it's, you know, it's a pinball machine. It's tons of EMF. <laughs> yeah, you got cylinders. I'm the, uh, coils, coils firing all over the place. Yeah. Large... Current changes everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah. Like, it goes from 8 amps to 0 right. in, like, half a second. Yeah, right, right. Um, so, the only thing we really had to do um, between our earlier software testing, because we were doing testing on, like, Raspberry Pi 3, and the new stuff was we had to change a lot of device tree overlays um, because the LVDS takes up, like, 28 pins. To you know, you got eight bits per pixel basically, plus horizontal vertical sync, plus end of you know display, plus there's ton, tons of other signals. So you need to basically turn it into an LVDS signal to drive that display. Um, and so you need to enable like I square C and I two S for the DAC. Well, the drivers use the original pins that are on the Raspberry Pi three, but we had to move them to like farther down the GPIO line. And use alternate functions to get them there. Hmm. Um, but that chip, it's like the, was it the um, BCM27 something is whatever that broadband chip is on. Oh, is it broad, broadband? I'm not sure. can't remember the manufacturer of that chip. Anyways, you have to move the pins. And it's like, it's almost like a, um, kind of like the Silicon Labs cross link. Where like, you can just say, oh, this, this you know, hardware code or hardware function needs to be on this pin now. Yeah, right. And so you can cross-link it over. Um, but there's not really any... No one really does this online. Like, when you ch- go in, like, the Raspberry Pi forums and stuff, like, everyone's just like, eh, no one really uses the, the compute module for... Like, the people who use the compute module don't release their secrets about it. <laughs> this is right. the best way to put it. Best, sure, but sure, sure. And so we had to basically figure it out. And so here are the secrets. Oh. Yeah. And the secrets are, so if you need to, like, move these pins around, so for, like, I2C, we need to move them to, um, look at my cheat sheet. We need to use the, move them to 28 to uh, 31. Uh, no, that's I2S. Yeah, we had to move I2S to 20 to 31. And it's usually, like, pins, like, 2 and 2, 3, 4, or 5, something like that. So it's, like, on the upper end. But, you know, the... The uh, LCD takes all those guys up, so we had to move them down. And 
I basically ha looked into the um, the source code for these device overlays, and they usually have override functions mm -hmm. that are at, at the bottom. But it's each one has a different way to override it. Oh gosh. Yeah. <laughs> so like the I square C, um, you actually have to pass it like SDA one underscore pin equals the new number mm. but there's only like certain numbers you can use so it's like why do you do it that way but whatever so you have to pass it basically three variables to make that device overlay change its pin so you have to change you have to tell what sda what sda scl is and then what the alternate function is so you have to calculate the alternate function of that pin that you're changing it to so it's like that pin can be like eight different functions Hmm. But okay. it's not the number that it is, because it's like for for this to be um, to use like pins forty four and forty five for I square C, you have it's like alt function three, I think. Okay. But you can't you don't give it alt three, you give it alt six. Why? I had no idea why. I could never figure out why. You just did it until it worked. Like, no, no, no. I, I figured it out by when you look at look into it. It's like alt. It gives it like alt three to, for the default okay, spots. Okay, I got you. Yeah, yeah. It was, so I it went was to buried in the code. It's it buried in the code. I basically gotcha. looked and said, okay, the default is this. But when you go look up the in the chip, like data sheet, yeah. it says it's this number, and so you just like add three. No idea why. Um, but it works. That, that, that reminds me of like the the days of like sitting there and just ripping through tons of config bits for, for microchip, like yes. pick chips, yes. where it's just like, okay, so this byte needs to be zero one 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 two zero zero. you know, like... Or you'll not, or you'll, or it'll automatically set up a comparator and you can't do a GPIO function. Yeah, or, or it'll do like so that one function where it's like, you can write to this chip one time and then it locks itself and then you gotta go buy a new one, you know, so... Something oh yeah, be like done that. that before. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah, well, yeah, certainly. And so... Yeah, no, that, that that can be a giant pain in the ass. Yeah, so that was one, and the other one is like they actually had a separate device overlay to make it work, and so that was cool. But yeah, and a good way to check this stuff. So after you boot it up and like it's not working, um, you can install a GPIO function on the Raspberry Pi. I think it comes standard in Raspbian, where you just type in GPIO and then space read all, and it'll tell you all the GPIO like what their states are and what their alternate functions are set to. So you can actually go in and say, okay, I actually set that to I square C correctly. It'll tell you what it is currently set to? Yep. Okay. And after, you can actually after you've done it. Yeah, and you can actually go in and manually change them too. Mm, okay. Like at runtime, which is kind of cool. Now it doesn't help you when you're loading drivers like the BCI uh, the BCM PCM 5122 <laughs> um it won't help you at runtime, like because when it's loading that driver in, it has to have all the pins set before it loads the driver. So, yeah. But using now is able to debug all this stuff and got it working. And so we're going to use the this Pinhack Rev eight boards as like our test mule for the um, for the Pinatar system since it's almost the same. So we have on the because like the Raspberry Pi side is pretty much going to be the same for Pinatar. But the pick side's going to change um, mainly because we're upgrading to that 200 megahertz, the pick 32 MZ. So we'll have more speed there, and we're going to change a lot of the surrounding architecture, hardware architecture around it to simplify it a lot. 
And the good thing about that is our pick 32 code, we have like three abstraction layers that we've, we coded in on that, on that side. We have like a, we have a game layer, we have a board layer, and then we have a hardware layer. So it abstracts it all away. Um, and so basically all we need to do is change the hardware layer, which is basically the, the hard-coded basically registers to, you know, it's like your header file that you get from like microchip. We well, basically it's, have our it's own. It's the config bits, basically. Yeah, yeah, we have our own custom one for our board. Right. And so all we have to do is change those, and then we can use whatever chip. Right, because you, you suck them in whenever you need. Yeah. 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 So we can. Yeah. So we can upgrade to this newer chip without having to rewrite our entire PIC32 kernel. All we have to do is just change this underlying, you know, one file, and it should all work. In theory. Seems like that's the uh, the most efficient way of doing it. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Cool. That's what I've been working on. Uh, <laughs> I've got I've got a funny story today. Um, well, from from earlier today, uh, it just popped into mind because I mentioned microchip and then thought of this. I was over at Home Depot um, earlier today, and um, I was at the self checkout. You know, they have like the you know you can do yeah, it yourself yeah. kind of stuff. Um, well, one of the one of the computers was down and it had um, windows up on the screen, mm-hmm. but on that it had a window with the big microchip logo on it and it was talking about like reflashing um whatever oh boy it's uh, yeah like something was way wrong and you know nobody knew anything about that and and i'm in a line with like six other people and uh i i i had to fight the urge so much to pull out my phone i wanted to just walk over and take a picture of it but i knew that would have been so suspicious <laughs> like, like, what the hell is this guy doing you know but hey it's cool that they use microchip chips and those things yeah i don't know that's cool he should have got one of those yellow vests on like gone out got a yellow vest and come back and just start unscrewing it and working on it but no no like but they would never guess dri- yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> get a scissor lift drive it all the way over put cones around it yeah. <laughs> and then start working on it yeah yeah just to take a picture of it because i was I, I was looking at it, i was like man that would be great for the podcast if i could get like a better picture of it yeah uh, but no so be like metal gear solid but but you'd have to like be in under a cardboard box as you get up to <laughs> no 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 like you can be in like you can be, you can be um in uh disguise yeah 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 pick them up put them in the bathroom but that would be one of the nerdiest reasons to to do it like to you're do not that. stealing anything you're just like trying to look at it yeah like, Ooh, what's inside there <laughs> <laughs> oh that's fun no okay on to the RFO, RFO. So I don't know if we talked about this on a previous podcast. This is a shortage of passive parts. Uh, we may have, but you may have. But I saw a lot of comments on Hackaday on like recent articles about this, and someone actually mentioned on Twitter um, that he can't get 0.1 microfarad caps right now in 0402. Wait, who and where is he? Is another? No, he's he, he's one of our customers actually. Oh, oh, okay, okay. So he's basically having like redo his whole bill of materials for that one part because he has a very specific 0.1 macrofarad oh, car- okay. cap he wanted okay i was about to it's say it's not like jelly bean 0.1 macrofarad ah, i was confused at that because i was like i'm pretty sure you can get those yeah you can get them except you can't get his yeah so i started looking more into this basically right now is manufacturers are they're they're not producing parts right now as fat like they're not basically scaling up their their manufacturing is there a reason for that margins 
Okay. So right now, like margins on passives and stuff is super low. Ah. Okay. Because there's a lot of manufacturers for it, and it doesn't make sense for someone to spend a couple billion dollars to spin up some more, you know, line space to mm. build more of these. And so people are just like, eh, you know, we're just gonna run out and just be like, okay, we're gonna run out. So the, the the type of component that is in every electronic device is now like the baseline component is not yeah. going to go up in price. <laughs> well, oh yeah, it's, well sh- it, that's the thing though. It's like um, Hackaday does this this article on it where they were looking at like the same part from like a long time ago, and it's like the same price. Hmm. So it's almost like since there's so many different manufacturers building these and driving the costs down that way. That means the margin is so small, and so that these companies don't have enough, basically, capital to build new lines. That makes sense. So, yeah. Well, and and if you're in the passives game, you have to sell like so many to make any kind of money. You know, yeah. you have to be selling them by the by the ton, uh, like literally, but just by weight. I can <laughs> imagine it's like um, Scrooge McDuck, like diving, but diving instead of diving gold, he's diving into like chip <laughs> capacitors and stuff. <laughs> That would be great. <laughs> <laughs> I can just imagine like them getting under your fingers and stuff. Oh, that would not. No. <laughs> if there's one thing about electronics, there's never like a nice feeling piece of electronics. There's not like a soft piece of electronics. Like everything is hard. Everything is sharp. Everything like smells bad. Everything will cut you. You know, like I don't know. I, that's true. I'm actually trying to think if there's any soft materials in like IC design or whatever oh, but I can't maybe think of maybe a flat flex PCB might even then it's still like rigid enough to like it's sharp on the edges still yeah yeah exactly yeah, yeah. no it, 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 electronics are offensive <laughs> uh, not like being offended but like they're on they're on offense all the time they're yeah. ready to stab you and and cut you and yeah it's like if you cut like pcbs up and stuff like the fiberglass gets all over the place and gets all it's all oh, itchy. It's super itchy yeah, yeah. oh it's the worst yeah. um so back to back to the shortage yeah so these companies are just like basically saying well if you won't let us raise the prices we're just gonna make the demand go way up hmm so supply and demand so so eventually prices will probably go up as it it's kind of like they should because you know even just like it's the same price from like six years ago for the same part and you know at least it should go up with inflation even if they got better at making them or whatever makes sense yeah um oh Uh yeah no yeah yeah this looks good this looks good uh, well, he, here's the here's the title for it. Juicero already found at a Goodwill store. Yeah, so we talked about this. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Iris is showing me a picture of it now. Oh, that is fantastic. Yeah. What I'm curious about is, did they say what the price was? Forty bucks. Forty bucks. <laughs> Wasn't it like six hundred? Seven hundred dollars. Seven hundred dollars. So, oh, for those that don't know, Juicero was a IoT juice squeezer. For $700. And it basically squeezed Capri Sun packages of <laughs> juice. It was like a Capri Adult Capri Sun. Adult Capri yeah. Sun. They don't taste good, of what yeah. I've heard. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and now you can't... Like, they did, like, a buyback program for a little bit. And then... Yeah, but but uh, what I heard is you were really lucky if you actually got, got anything. It. Yeah. 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 And, and they stopped selling the packets. Yep. And so, basically, this is like a... 60 pound paperweight and I guess someone dropped one off at Goodwill 
Wow. So you can pick up for 40 bucks. you can pick up a $700. $700, like, only, like, last, like, July. That's true. And they had a ton of money, too. They had yeah. a ton of funding. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they had a model where you could get these uh, Capri Sun packs on, like, a, a regular basis. It was something like you get a handful a week. But yeah, it was, but it was, it like... It was really expensive. Yeah. I can't remember the exact price for that, but... And, and the argument I think they had was, like, Every bag was barcoded. And they could trace it all the way back to the farmer. Um, you kind of, you, you got the feeling that you knew where your stuff was coming from, and it was safe. And but you know, it's juice. It's yeah, exactly. It's juice. So it's <laughs> 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 but it, the thing is, like, honestly, forty bucks for that's not that bad because the parts inside are awesome. Yeah, so if you can repurpose that into a, I don't know. Oh, that's how you can get the last bit of toothpaste out of the toothpaste thing. Uh, toothpaste <laughs> just crush tube. it. Just crush it out. Because that <laughs> thing puts out a lot of torque. It does. So, what else could you squeeze with, with something like that? What else? What else needs to be squeezed like that? Oh my gosh! What? <laughs> it's what, a vacuum packed like lamb. What the hell is it? Iris is showing us a picture. Oh, in the same thread, there's a sealed lamb? I don't think I'd want to squeeze that. Yeah, no, that's the... Yeah, I'm not sure on that. Um, Mashed potatoes. If you... That would... You that boil would pulverize your potato. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was thinking when you brew beer mm-hmm. and you, you squeeze your grain bag. You, but you're not supposed to sque- uh, squeeze your grain bag because it releases ah. tannins. Ah, you're supposed to just let it drip out. Ah, then, so me being la- me being lazy has been a good thing then. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah you, you've gotten lucky. Let's put it that way. It's the same thing with tea bags. You, you're supposed to just dip a tea bag and then throw it. Oh. Uh, if, you, if you squeeze it, then it releases the tannins, which you know some people like the bitterness of that. Uh, and so you, I guess you could go that route. But what I've heard is for the majority of people, it's just not their style of. Yeah. So what else could you then squeeze? Um, I don't know, cause cause I keep thinking of like food. You know what? Uh, you could you could um, yeah. I don't eat a lot of put food. Put JB Weld and make like a mixer with it. If it just like oh if yeah, you squeeze, squeeze the right amount. You squeeze it and then you. Yeah. Well, but no, like you put them inside, then oh. have it go in and out and squeeze and mix for it until it freezes together. <laughs> until it's done, yeah. <laughs> yeah, cause it's like I don't eat a lot of food in tubes. Yeah, it's not the future yet. I don't know. Could you use it as a <laughs> crusher of some sort? Maybe. I, I don't think it has enough throw to crush a can, though. And it's really slow, too. It is very slow. Like, if, a, a six-pack of beer crushing six cans would probably be, like, you, 40 minutes. You, you drink a six-pack of beer while it's crushing one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. But, yeah, go to your local Goodwill and buy a $40 Juicero. Good deal. Yeah, send us a picture if you're the guy who bought the, the, the $40 oh, yeah, Juicero. Just, oh, yes. Yeah, I don't know if that guy bought it or not, so... Well. So this is a question from our Slack channel. Is okay. why is the board house putting a UL mark on my PCB? Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Actually, uh, funny enough, I have uh, my synthesizer here. Uh, I brought in. Um, we're, we're not going to talk about it on this podcast, but I brought it in for Parker to see. There's it. markings on it. And yeah, yeah, I've, a handful of episodes ago, we talked about uh, doing FR4 uh, faceplates. I did FR4 faceplates for all of my synth, synth modules, and I made one critical mistake. I did not tell the board house to uh, remove the UL mark. So there's a UL mark on the front of every single one of my. Yeah, uh, that's what we should have said on that podcast. Well, now they know. 
And so you're going to use uh, FR4 from a PCB house, tell them to remove your URL marking. Or put it on a side that it doesn't matter. Yeah, on the back and, side. And to be honest, most board houses are, you know, they're not just going to bulldoze your design and put something you don't want on it in a place you don't want it, if it makes sense. This place that I got these um, PCBs made, they clearly didn't care. Uh, if you if you just look at the boards that I uploaded, you would know not to put the, and on the on the top layer. They clearly didn't care and they just did it. So I, I always find that those that PCB manufacturers will put that marking in like the most like because they, they want they don't want to touch your like designators and stuff. Yeah. So they put it in like a blank spot where like you're going to put something there like a marking, <laughs> but they put that there. Yeah, yeah. They true. always will find that spot. Yeah. Um, so the reason why they put that mark there, though, yep. is because that material they use needs to be UL recognized to be used in a UL marked product. It doesn't make your board UL certified or whatever. It just means that PCB is recognized as a material that can be used in a UL certified thing. That's widget. yeah, that's right. And and there are some um, industries that are exempt from that. Uh, mainly, uh, there's some aspects of safety devices that actually don't require that, uh, which is funny. You would think that safety would require it, but in this case, in some cases, it's not. Regardless, for any UL certified uh, device, you have to have paperwork that shows that it's UL. You have to have paperwork that shows that the fab is is UL. Yep. And if you get audited, it doesn't happen often, but a, an auditor can ask you to open a product to see if that's on there. Uh, and they will look for it, and yep. so you got to be you got to be careful for that. And so most, pretty much every single board house just by default puts it on there uh-huh. because they had to go through all the rick and roll and get certified and stuff. So they want to put that on their board. It's boards. their badge of honor. It's their badge of honor that they paid all that money to be certified. <laughs> yeah, paid that money and went through like a year worth of just absolute garbage auditing. Yeah, so that is why it's on there. Um, Unfortunately, here at Macrofab, we don't really have a way to, like, for our prototypes. Because, like, the only way to really do it through fabs is, like, the whole panel gets marked or none. Mm-hmm. And so we just mark all the prototypes. If you do a production run, we, we, we can do that for you. But for the um, for prototypes, it's kind of like a, well... Well, and, and the thing is, 99% of the time... I, you know, the the maker community is not gonna want that on there. But it's when they do fancy art. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so you know, just just be mindful that there is a good chance it will be there if you don't take it off. If you correct. Uh, but I've I haven't personally met uh, a board house that wouldn't take it off. That correct. would just yeah. say no to it. They will take, take it off if yeah. you want it off. And you can also have them, because a lot of times they put another number there that's like the batch number or something like that that's a that's right. identifying number for them. You can also have them remove that too. It's like a date code. Mm-hmm. They don't really like to, but they will. Right, right, right. Um, I don't think ours puts that on the board. So so this this might sound scary. It is not. Uh, and it's just This is just part of the industry. Technically, they are allowed to modify your design. If you put a, 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 a design in, they can actually change things around uh, without your approval in some cases. It very, very rarely happens with today's, you know, with technology today, almost 
never does a board house do anything without you knowing, but technically they can. And most of the time that's just like they'll slightly move a, uh, a designator such that it's, you know, if, if there's a designator on a pad, mm-hmm. they might move that for whatever reason or whatnot. But technically they can change things around, and they do sometimes when they need to. Yeah, we actually, here we have a approval process because we get the working files back from our our fabs. That's right. And then we basically like overlay them and make sure that they're the same. Well, and a, a while ago we set up with with our vendors here to uh they're not allowed to make changes without explicit Yeah, approval. they have to talk, contact us, right, yeah. Right, right. So that was but but we had to set that up. We had to set that up because we knew it could happen. Yes. Yeah. So it's that's those are two good things worth knowing right there. Yeah. They anything can change and there's probably going to be a UL mark if you didn't say no. Right by your logo. For some reason. Yeah, yeah. In, in a place that's ugly. Yes. Yeah. It makes it look ugly. Yeah. So, cool. Something to wrap up this episode of the MacFab Engineering Podcast. We're your hosts, Crabfoam. And Blitz. Yeah, never again. <laughs> Later, everyone. Take it easy. Hit me up at craighang at gmail.com if you want to hang out in Denver next week. You should do the outro then, since you're going to say that. I just did. Hmm. That's it then. <laughs>